I'm Lindsay. And I am Aiden. And we're Bickering Peaks. And yes. we're bringing you we're bringing you a slightly out of order um weekly bi-weekly installment this week for and our slightly odd bi-weekly episode yeah. because it's an episode you may have heard already. Yes, possibly about a year ago, maybe a little bit more than a yeah. year ago, we stumbled into all seven episodes of On the Air that were at that point in time on YouTube mm-hmm. and we dashed out a quick special episode of On the Air um back when we were kind of willy-nilly and all over the place with this podcast and um so just like today so just like today yeah, completely yeah. so yeah. it's fitting um this doesn't fit in chronologically like i said with the uh general arc of yeah, that we've what been we're using. doing yeah but we figured we, we've been going through the lynch frost uh productions list yeah we did one saliva bubble yeah. Uh, American, American Chronicles. Chronicles, obviously Twin Peaks was the fill-in was kind of Andrew's interview last yeah. week. Uh, and this week we're going to On the Air, which was yeah. the final production. I think it aired in 1992. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably talk about more of that in, in the episode that's coming. Oh, we definitely did. Yeah. We definitely did. It's a short episode, mm-hmm. but we wanted to just replay it for you guys because uh, A, it was a good chat A good chat we had about mm-hmm. that episode. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. And B, we're lazy. Yeah. Totally. And so. <laughs> there's nothing more to really add. I mean, I think no. we covered most of it here. Mm-hmm. Um, we might touch back on it on a few points. I mean, we definitely, ha- if you if you listen to our Once Live a Bubble mm-hmm. and you're wondering what would it have actually looked like, it probably would have looked a lot like on the air. So uh, do yourself a favor and do go check that out. And next uh, two weeks, two we weeks. Will, in two weeks time, we will be uh, coming back with fresh takes on... Uh, the next chronological experience, exposing or excluding all this Lynch Frost production stuff, um, which will be Wild at Heart. From 1990. 1990? Yeah. Uh, and that was, of it's course... one that I've only seen once. Same. Uh, so that should be interesting. It's it's not one of my favorites, nope, I have to me say. me neither. But I'm, I'm looking forward to looking at it with some fairly fresh eyes, because mm-hmm. it's been about two and a half years since yeah. I watched it last, yeah. so... So that should be fun, and I uh, hope you'll come back and join us for that. I hope you enjoy On the Air coming up next. Welcome to this very special episode of Bickering Peaks. Today, we're talking all about On the Air. So, we're here with a special episode. Yes, very special episode. uh, To talk about the other Mark Frost, David Lynch television project Mm -hmm. from the early 90s. That aired on the ABC Broadcasting uh, Network. yes. (laughs) The ABC (laughs) Broadcasting... On the American Broadcasting Corporation Network. And it is called On the Air. On the Air. And Ironically, only on the air for three episodes. Three episodes. Of the seven that were produced. Yes. So it has a, a, not a checkered production history. It's a very short production yeah. history. So uh, just like Twin Peaks, they they filmed a pilot. They pitched it to ABC. And, ABC greenlit it. Yep. For another ordered six episodes. Ordered six more episodes. Yep. And, and promptly canceled it. Canceled it after the third episode. <laughs> uh, because it is bats crazy. Yep. Um. We're trying something a little different today on our podcast. We're gonna we're gonna employ the same methods that the uh, ZBC network would have done. We're just we're letting our cat in today. So that's the she wants to be on the, on the podcast. Yeah, don't you? 
Yeah, yeah, she does. Okay. She does. So, um, yeah, the show tells the story of the Zablotnik Broadcasting, Broadcasting Corporation, Corporation. Uh, which is uh, signed up of ABC, obviously. Yes. It'd, be, it'd be in the opposite of ABC, ZBC. Yeah. Um, and it is about a variety show um, that goes sideways and every 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 episode episode, and yet the people of america love it yeah so it's obviously a bit of a send-up of twin peaks yeah um but yeah and it's 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 quite interesting and and thoroughly enjoyable to i think not just fans of of twin peaks i think anybody who's well a fan of david lynch or yeah that you know maybe maybe well i wouldn't say it's it's python-esque no, it's it's different. Than it's a that. different kind of surreal comedy. Yes, um, it's Lynchian. Yeah, it is. It is very Lynchian, um, in a in a weird way. So it's set in the nineteen fifties. Yeah, and set it, in nineteen fifty seven. Nineteen fifty seven. Yes, and it stars. Uh, well, Ian Buchanan, yes. who plays Dick Tremaine on the second season of Twin Peaks, um, plays Lester Guy, who is a washed up nineteen forties film star who um, is getting a, a late career resurgence yep. because of this TV show or. Well, he's trying. He's trying to anyway. Anyways, yeah. This is his variety show, the Lester Guy Show. Yeah. And he is joined by a charismatic but thoroughly dumb. (laughs) Just straight up dumb. Blonde, very stereotypical dumb blonde co-star named Betty Hudson. Betty Hudson. Who has no acting experience. She is... No skills, really. No, she can sing. She can sing, though. That's how she, that's how she ends up charming the people of America. Yes. Is in this impromptu moment in the, in the pilot where she, um, sings her favorite song with a little music box playing and yeah. it's... And, yeah. So, yeah, that's, those are the two main players. Then you have the, um, the network president, Bud Bud Waller, played yes. by Miguel Ferrer. Yes. Who is, um. Albert, of course. Yeah, Albert Rosenfield from. Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. Who basically is playing the same character. On your feet, McGonagall, you dink spine, you gob of jelly. <laughs> Mr. Bud Waller. But we're all so happy. Can it, P-Brain? We are six hours to air. He loves insulting people and yeah, cuts uh, him up and and quick tempered and yeah. and very uh, take charge and everything yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so he's he's in he's in charge of of the day to day running of this show on behalf of of Mr. Zablotnik, who runs the network or is the the head of the the network, I guess. Um, so Bud Waller is such a control freak. Um, he wants. Everything to be perfect, every episode. And of course, nothing is ever perfect. It's not just nothing's ever perfect. Oh, yeah. The show goes completely oh, yeah. wrong. Completely. In the every first episode. moment of almost every episode. But, but, but what the beauty of it is that um, Bud Waller doesn't recognize that the the beauty of these... Mistakes. Mistakes are like what makes the show great. Enjoyable, yeah. Because he thinks he knows better than the American public what they want. And we see cutaways of the American public watching this show. And they know, always, old couples, yeah. young couples, stay-at-home moms, A guy dogs. working on, yeah, dogs watch yeah. <laughs> the show quite often. Um, and they're all enjoying the show very much. Yes. So it's it's clear that that, uh, that the network president is out of touch with the American public, yes. which is, yes. again... A, a little bit of a I jab. I think a meta-commentary yeah. on, on Lynch and Frost's uh, experience working with network television yeah. Um, heads. Yeah, it's very meta. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, and it's very in in in, tr- in true David Lynch fashion. Everybody he's ever worked with is on this show. Basically, <laughs> I mean, there are so many people, either yeah. writers or directors oh, or yeah. actors behind the scenes, yeah. who are who are cast or 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 involved, yeah, involved in the production. In the Leslie yeah. Linka Glatter 
directed to second episode, episodes. I think. Yeah, I think oh, in another couple? one, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Harley Payton and Robert Engels yep. were writers. And Robert Engels, Engels was a co-executive producer. producer. Yeah. Um, you had uh, Joanna Ray, who is the casting the director executive. Director from Twin Peaks from, did it yep. for this as um, well. And the cast is really well done. Like, Yeah, it they, is. So besides the, those three, kind of, they're the core characters, I would say. Yeah. Um, you have the director. Yes. Lindsay, if you would ter- care to try and pronounce his name. I can do my best. He's from the old country. Yes, which uh, it's never clear which country this is but it's something, it's something vaguely eastern, eastern european, european you would think yeah. um his name is valja anyway he mixes up his vowels all the time and his speech is is almost entirely unintelligible and there's this chain of command that well, chain he of translation. Says, chain of translation yeah. is better. So he says it. Um, and then then the, producer, the producer of the show, Dwight McGonagall, yeah, McGonagall. attempts to translate, translate but it's, it. it's always wrong. He he says basically he turns the vowels that he actually says yeah. into the more legible English. Yes, which is always a butchered meaning. And then the assistant his, director, his no production, his production assistant, oh, okay. Ruth yes. Ruth Trueworthy. Is um, the one Truman. who yeah, the great. one who actually mm. translates what the director wants into English. English. Sir, when would you like me to rehearse the kitchen scene? Who is your ending? Your ironing. How is your ironing? Betty, how is your ironing? My mother does my ironing. Um, yeah, but so the director is is a complete buffoon. He is the nephew of Mr. Zablotnik. Uh, he he doesn't seem to understand how megaphones work. He always <laughs> speaks into the big end of the megaphone instead of the little one, which is a great visual yeah, gag. gag yeah. Um, and he's this little. Well, he's played by by uh, the same actor who played Mister Pinkle in um, in Twin Peaks, David Lander. We also get um, a, a tremendous cast of supporting characters who some of them get lines, some of them don't. Uh, some of them have very few lines, like "Hurry up, twins!" And they're played by a pair of identical twins who wear, who play Siamese twins on the show, and they kind of march around, yeah, hurry up, hurry up, with the yeah. like turtleneck on. It's yeah. it's kind of funny. Um, you get Blinky and Mickey, who are <laughs> the sound sound effects. sound effects and sound technicians. Yeah, Blinky is uh, not blind. Not blind, as is frequently <laughs> this is explained said. every episode. Blinky Watts is not blind. He suffers from Bozeman simplex. He actually sees twenty five point six two times as much as we do. If we were to see what Blinky is seeing right now, it would look something like this. And yeah, and and he's played by Tracy Walter, who is a, a fairly famous character actor you would recognize yeah, in yeah. some other productions. Um, and and Mickey's Mickey kind of is a Mickey's a visual effects supervisor, which is yeah. which is funny because he's the eyes for he's yeah. uh, Blink, Blinky's eyes. Yeah. Um, so there's that. There's Shorty, who is a giant. Yeah. Who is a stagehand. Stagehand, yeah. Um, yeah snaps the dog, which yeah. is... Uh, <laughs> so that's one of the first gags from the pilot is uh, this Snaps Dog Food is the sponsor. Yes. Of course, they film the commercials live. Yeah. And Snaps, the dog hates Snaps Dog Food. Yeah. <laughs> so there's... And he appears in many episodes. At one point, he switches bodies, maybe, with... Yes, that's with what the McGonagall. Wikipedia, with McGonagall, the producer. I don't know if that's actually what happens. Well, it seems like they're just... It's very hard to tell what happens yes. in the show. See, there's no plot, really. There's no. the, the plot well, there is, is kind of encompassed very... by this This week's episode is supposed to be about this. Yeah. And it follows a, a 1950s variety show kind of format. 
Um, yeah. Broadly speaking, yeah. there's skits and there's, you know, commercial segments yeah. that you would see in a 1950s show. Um, guest stars who are famous Hollywood actors who come in and then they roll out the red carpet in some cases very literally for these big stars. Yeah. Um, but all of the, all of the, and then the central conflict of the show um, on with the the primary actors anyway, is Lester Guy always trying to undermine Betty's um, success and success fame. And yeah, fame. because after the first episode, he feels like the rug was pulled out yes. from him. So she starts getting all the, the fan, fan mail, mail yeah. and she gets invites to dinner with Mr. Zablotnik. And um, so... Yeah, and, and hijinks too, is yes, basically what course, it boils down to. Because every episode, he and his assistant, who is... No, she's the head of comedy. Or, sorry, Lester Guy and the, the head of comedy, who is uh, played by... Shana? Uh, Kim McGuire, her her name in in the show is Miss Thorne or Nicole Thorne. Um, Kim McGuire, you may remember from John Waters' film Crybaby. She played Hatchet Face in Crybaby. You sure. haven't seen Crybaby, but nope, anyway. Never saw it. Okay. Um, so yeah, the they're they're yeah, yeah trying to and, yeah. And initially, uh, the executive uh, played by Miguel Fair, right? Uh, he is also on their side, but then as the ratings kind of continue going, he he seems he to... takes it as a little bit of a step back and, yeah. and starts to be this like figure in the booth who you know takes the calls from Mister Zablotnik yeah, and which are <laughs> set him on fire. And stuff. No. It, it is it is surrealist. It Very, is, but it's also I mean it's really kind of a prototype for a lot of similar shows that have come out since. I mean, really, just Thirty Rock is the most. Well, 30 Rock, one. I guess, in a sense, maybe Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Yeah, and, and actually Studio News 60. News Radio, yeah, to an potentially, extent. Yeah, I mean, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip was interesting to me because uh, it's it was Aaron Sorkin's project after yeah. finished West Wing. Right. And this was their project after they basically finished Twin Peaks. Right. Um, and they'd moved on to do kind of a, a meta-analysis of Hollywood in, yeah. in some ways, of exactly. television making. Exactly. Um, and they both chose live yep. theater or live television, which I yep. find is interesting. Um but yeah, and it really lays kind of a groundwork for how that, that works. You have the executive who's, I mean, okay, I haven't watched, I watched a episode of Studio 60, right. um, but it seemed to follow this formula for what I can mm-hmm. remember. Well, and even like 30 Rock does this. Well, 30 Rock, well, yeah, right? there's because the executive got, and the creative lead, yeah. and then there's the, the actors the, who the have actors. the conflict, and it's, yeah. it's very much, um, and that was, you know, Tina Fey coming off of Saturday Night Live exactly. and, and doing her version of, this is what it's like to produce a, yeah, weekly, a comedy weekly comedy sketch, sketch show. show. So, I mean, yeah, that one matches sketch much more. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, the, the and, and, I mean, you could probably draw comparisons to other, like, like I mentioned, News Radio or WKRP in Cincinnati, yeah. which, you know, deal with the behind the scenes. I you guess, know? yeah. I mean, I mean, it's not like this is a new concept no. for, for actors or producers to go on and, and yeah. make a show, show that them. would, yeah. yeah, that would comment on the, the shows that they've done previously yeah. or, or an aspect of their, um, their industry. But, but this one is, is unique in that it is It's David so, Lynch, It's David Lynch doing it, yeah. <laughs> and his, the, so the pilot episode, if you don't watch anything else, take 23 minutes and watch the pilot episode. Because yeah. the pilot episode is really great for a, a lot of reasons. Uh, Lindsay, you looked up and said that it TV was, Guide. TV Guide listed it at one point as being the number 57 out of the 100 best pilots of the 20th century or of all time. Yeah. At, uh, at, at whatever thing, point yeah. that was. But um, but that that is that is incredible. And it, and it is a... I mean, this is the the pilot episode is what helped them get greenlit yeah. in the first place by the network that was already starting to shut them down for Twin Peaks, yeah. right? So, I mean, it is a good pilot, and you can kind of yeah. see where they're going with it. Well, 
I mean, uh, no, I, I, the, the rest of the episodes don't have quite the cohesion. Like, I mean, again, we've said this before about Lynch and Frost. It seems like Lynch is willing to go off and do something right. totally random. It has no connection to anything. And that's what I'd say three out of the seven episodes feel like the, the plot really doesn't come together at all. Or it doesn't matter. Or it doesn't there matter. There is a plot exactly. anyway. Exactly. It feels like it's playing on that. Yeah. Um, and, but the pilot does. The pilot feels like they have a great setup. The first third, like, uh, is basically them a prepping. A rehearsal for the show. For the show. And then right as way after the commercial break, the second commercial break, the show goes off the rails. Uh, yeah. Lester Guy yeah. <laughs> walks into the set and, like, knocks himself out kind of thing. Or... Right. Well, well, Betty uh, makes a mistake and causes him to have yes. this accident. Yes. So they think immediately that she's trying to sabotage him, but she's not smart enough to sabotage no, no. him. No, but, but... no. she's so sweet anyway, she doesn't want to no, sabotage him, No, right? never, so... she would never hurt a fly. But, no. I mean, it, so right off the bat, the first third, you, you've built up to, like, okay, let's see how far this is going to match the mm-hmm. the rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And then right away, it's off the rails. Yeah. And, it, and it just continues on that path. Right. Um, and yet, that's what America loves. Is that at Exactly. The end. And that's that's really... So a... it feels like it's uh, Twin Peaks under a magnifying glass and and in caricature. Yeah. Um, but which is blown yeah. up to such extreme proportions that it's, it's, it's impossible to view this as anything but a kind of a commentary on, on their experience with Twin Peaks. But it also seems, like Aiden and I both said, it seems to set the stage for what David Lynch would do with Mulholland Drive in, in uh, 2001. Yeah. Um, in well, the sense yeah. that there's, uh, not completely, but there are scenes in Mulholland Drive that um, that do seem to comment quite strongly on the unfairness behind the scenes in Hollywood and what goes on behind the scenes during a shoot or mm-hmm. during casting or something like that. So it's, it's much darker and it's much more sinister, but it feels like I was describing this online the other day um, as being like uh, Mulholland Drive if it were birthed by Pee Wee Herman, yeah. because that's what it really feels like. Yeah. It's it's like this completely surreal, like... Like, yeah, just overload. And it, and it like, is. There's so, much, there's so much dialogue you don't even hear or understand. I mean, it, a lot of that's probably due to the laser disc quality yes. audio that we get. But yeah. some of the things they're whispering or they're just saying it so fast or mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of talking over people mm-hmm. to, you know, uh, which we've seen in Or lots a of, lot. lots of, uh, and again, it's a very Lynch thing to do, but um, shots where the people in the background are doing things that are just as interesting as what's happening in the foreground, you know, bit you players or whatever. Yeah. yeah, you don't really know or where you're, you're, or you're focusing yeah. on those people and you miss what's being said. Well, yeah, yeah, you don't know where you're supposed to yeah, focus on. Yeah, exactly. Right? And, so it's, yeah. it's, um, it's, I think it's, it's not the kind of show, like we, we literally just finished watching the, um, the last, the seventh episode, uh, half an hour ago, maybe. And I'm not quite ready to watch it again, but I think, (laughs) I think it's the kind of show that might reward further viewing. Yeah. Not in the same way that a show like Arrested Development or. Yeah. It's um, not, it's not so much the, well, you, you'd probably miss a couple jokes. Sure. But, but but it's not as layered. I don't think. And if it is layered, it's happenstance, right? Although it is very smart writing. There is a lot of funny jokes and there's a lot of things that are, um, Kind well, of I mean, reused just, lines almost yeah. that feel like they came straight from Twin Peaks, the music. Romantic love theme, number nine, go. Darling. My darling. Oh, sweetheart, I've waited so long for this moment. Is it safe for you to be here now? I've eluded the law brilliantly thus far. Yes. There's tons of music that is ripped directly from Twin Peaks. Yeah. When, you, when you hear... Um, you know, some of the themes that are played in the double R in the second season or... Yeah. But it's got the same um, jazz overtones. And then, yeah. okay, so the pilot is amazing. 
Um, well, I, I think it's quite good. Yeah. Um, the other, the last episode is also quite incredible because it ends with like a, a eight minute dance number, jazz like dissonant jazz like beatnik nineteen fifties. Uh, dance and jazz sequence, and yeah. it is it is that reminds bizarre. me so much of the chor- uh, choreography sequence from the film White Christmas with Danny Kaye, where he does the yeah the, yeah, yeah you yeah, know yeah, like that right. whole yeah, thing. Yeah. But, um, but or I'm the acid. scene. In, oh yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> you know? And you even get you know all the characters pitch in every well, single character and cast member, like even Miguel Ferrer, who, yes. who you're like, but that happened in an earlier episode. I think it was he, three or four. He also like, he got caught up in the moment because yeah. Betty said something inspiring or something like that. No, I don't think it was that. I think it was, it was like episode five or episode. It was the meet Mr. Peanuts episode. Yes. The Mr. Peanuts episode, which is famous for being one of the better ones. Yes. Of the seven. Yeah. I think it was five. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it was, uh, and it, but yeah, same thing. Betty kind of inspires everybody yeah. to like, let's sing along to the Mr. Peanuts song. And the whole cast comes in yeah. and joins. And it's the same thing that yeah. happens here. Yeah. And I think, it, you know, it's kind of like a, I mean, if it wasn't so bizarre, mm-hmm. it'd be a pretty nice statement about how uh, television can kind of bring people together. And like, well, it, is, it, it, it acts is, as a It seems like a, a bit of a, force. because, I mean, okay, so David Lynch always likes to um, reference the 50s or set things mm-hmm. in, in that kind of weird liminal space between yeah. now and the 50s. Like, yeah. he, he harkens back to that a lot. This is literally set in the 50s. Yeah. It's a period comedy piece, basically. Um and it, it does have, in, in addition to all of this surreal humor and the comedy aspect to it, there is a kind of 1950s idealism to it as yeah. well, even though it's, and, and that's really typified in, in Betty's character, who, I mean, once again, we see between uh, Betty and, and Ruth, you have um, that kind of blonde and brunette. Betty and Veronica dynamic that David Lynch yeah. loves to play with yeah. that we've seen in, you know, Laura and Donna or um, Maddie and Laura, like, Maddie yeah, and Laura, like, or yeah. um, or um, Dorothy and Sandy from Blue Velvet, or um, Betty and Rita, Rita. in Mulholland, Mulholland Drive, Drive yeah. um, and all over the place. Like yeah. this is oh, yeah, this is something yeah. that David Lynch plays with a lot. Although in he in this show. Um, Betty and Ruth are like allies, and they're nice, and no, they're not. But they're they're, they're opposites, right? They're like, total opposites. Betty's completely incompetent, and, and Ruth and is fl- very bright Ruth, and yeah, Ruth is ruthlessly, yeah, <laughs> ruthlessly yeah. Uh, optimistic and yes. and bright and sunny. Yeah. Um. So it's it's not quite the same, but it's still playing with like the visuals anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um. Which well, is, the fact that they're really nice. kind of the only women in the show. Like, well, aside from, from the assistant, the yeah, assistant or the, the head of director, head of, of comedy. comedy. Yeah. 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 Um, but anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's filled with that kind of idealist, idealistic kind of spirit, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. That um, you don't get in a Lynch drama. No, or a Lynch, no, this, yeah, uh, thriller. I don't know yeah. how else you would describe. It's hard to pin Lynch yeah. into a, into a genre, but but um, this is this is really. I mean, if you are a fan of the wacky season two hijinks. From Twin Peaks. No, don't watch this. No, I think no, you would enjoy it. I don't think you would. Why not? I think it's it's much. I don't know. I it's not to, to me. They don't feel similar at all. Um, this one feels like it the was pe- designed to be silly. Yeah. With the Lynch undertones. Yeah. And I think Twin Peaks stumbled into that case. No, I think Twin Peaks was deliberately trying to ape Lynch 
in a way that made it seem exactly yes. aping being the key thing. It right, was, right. It didn't have any of the. Of but I'm saying, if you enjoyed that, you would probably enjoy this because no. if you've made it through to season to the to doldrums of season two, you probably like David Lynch to begin with, which yeah. is why you've stuck with it. So you'll like no, but David he's Lynch, gone. but you'll like David Lynch, kind of making fun of the the show that he once was part of. He's making fun of his own product. He's making fun of what's happening while at the same time processing what happened, I'm sure. Yeah. But but it's there's a lot of of overlap, I think. I don't I didn't feel that way at all. I felt like I don't see how you can't feel that way. Because season two didn't have any of the Lynch product. No, I'm saying this is David Lynch doing season two of Twin Peaks. Or you think it's too much like season two? No, I Season two was no longer a Lynch product. The silly half of season two was not a Lynch product. This is a Lynch product. No, okay. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. 100% what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I'm saying the people who came in in season two of Twin Peaks were trying and failing to make a Lynch product. Yes. So So this is what's... Yes, okay. So season two... This is what season two... No, but it probably wouldn't have been like if David Lynch had stayed on. I'm saying David Lynch was watching these episodes that were airing or was reading the scripts that were coming across his desk and giving the okay to them and and was saying, what the hell? And then saying, I could do this. Yeah. I have no idea if that's true. It's just no, what but I'm it imagining. Feels like, yeah, that's what it know. feels like it's it's a very plausible headcanon that I'm now <laughs> You're working throwing with. Okay. out into the world. Okay. So I'm just saying in that respect, if if you can get behind uh, Ben Horn as a Civil War general or Nadine with superhuman strength, you can probably get behind yeah. McGonagall changing bodies with the dog, with Snaps the dog. <laughs> or you can you can buy that there would be a magician, a gypsy magician, magician who, who would just yeah. wander onto the set Fate. and suddenly make Lester Guy turn into a, a little like man a little and thing, yeah. the head of comedy turned into a newt, right? <laughs> like you would buy it and you would accept it because yeah. on top of the craziness, it has that Lynch undercurrent that that you already love because you watch Twin yeah, Peaks. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. all I'm getting. At. Okay, yeah, no, I agree. Okay. I, I we came there, but <laughs> we got there. I mean, but yeah, I just it's it doesn't it still doesn't feel like it's obviously as a comedy it's not going to feel a lot like Twin Peaks. Of course not. But it but it does have that that because uh, there's no drama. Yeah. No. It is all silly misunderstandings and pure it, yeah, sitcom. It is a sitcom through and through. And and. This aired in 1992 for a very brief window in the in the early summer months. Month? Yeah. <laughs> of 1992. Yeah. At the same time that Seinfeld was on yeah, the air. Yeah, Seinfeld season A year three before was Friends on was on the air. Yeah. Like, um, just to put it in context, this, like, the show was like nothing else. But it was airing at like 9.30 on a Saturday yeah, night. Yeah, so. Like, nobody was going to watch it anyways, for no. sure. Um, I mean, now we were both saying that it feels like if this was on... Uh, like Adult Swim, oh, you'd be like, oh my god, the show because this fits is like so this, okay, there you go. That's the perfect segue because Tim and Eric's awesome show, Great yes. Job, is this yes. yes, but far more successful because of where well, the niche market that and this is this is have, the thing yeah. because we have 21st century, we have hundreds and hundreds of channels, and we have the internet, and we have all of these the various places where shows like this could carve out a niche for themselves. Yeah. And Lynch had broadcast yeah, television. Yeah, he had ABC. You know? So this was not ever going to be a success on ABC. No. If somebody wants to bring it back 25 years later, later. Just kidding. That's... Appreciate Tim and Eric, please, if you're, <laughs> if you're listening. If you're listening, please bring back at least one sketch. 
of ZBC. That would be amazing. Um, but yeah, no, we, 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 I enjoyed it. Did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it less than you did. Okay. I, I, think I it's laughed weird. a lot. You did. You really I did. I really enjoyed it. But I thought it was, it was just. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I enjoyed it more because I, watching it, I could see the way that it influenced future things. Like it really, there's the scene in the pilot where, uh, they show a sketch, uh, in the, the draft format where mm-hmm. they're, they're just, uh, rehearsing it. And then they show it live. It comes back live later and it's been completely mangled and torn beyond shreds. And yet that's by far the more entertaining version of the, of the scene. Um, and then he reuses that exactly in Mulholland Drive with the, the rehearsal that, um, Naomi Watts' character, Betty, Betty. uh, first practices with Rita. Rita. And then it's terrible. And like they're, they're basically laughing at a very, supposed to be a very dramatic scene. And then when she goes in to actually do the, uh, rehearse or the audition, um, it turns into a really amazing piece of acting and but it's basically the exact same thing that he's resurfaced you know seven years later basically or no eight I can, no nine i can do math so nine years later he basically reuses that exact same tool to um the opposite effect he's one time he's built up a terrible comedy scene that's not funny and is a terrible sketch and then he's turned it into something that's really hilarious in, in the pilot um and then in, in Mulholland Drive, he's come back the opposite way and turned in something that was very funny into a very dramatic reading um, that both of them serve very uh, kind of important points in the plot and the character development. Uh, obviously, there's not much character development in uh, on the air, but that whole episode hinges on that scene kind of going well at the end. Um, and but the fact that it doesn't is what makes the show a success. Exactly. And that's, which is something completely oblivious to everybody. Except for... Except for the American public. Yes. Yeah. So it really does put a lot of faith in the American public. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Which, following the election, um, yeah, nobody has any faith in the American public. Yeah, so sorry about this that. This is why we are putting this episode out on Inauguration Day, to give you a slight distraction from the events that are happening on your television screens. Anyway, we're not going to get political. Well, we do. We just did get yeah. political. We're not going to get any more, <laughs> more political. political. We are We're going to sign off this very short, very special episode about On the Air. Uh, we'll put up the link to the playlist that's on YouTube so you can watch yeah. all seven episodes if we you get want two. to. Whatever. Um, and we hope that you will, uh, A, watch them, B, enjoy them, and C, join in the conversation and let us know what you think. Bye.